Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the great pleasure of having Daniel Bauer with us. Now, Daniel is the founder of Better Leaders, Better Schools. He helps school leaders to create winning cultures by focusing on the essentials and leading with courage and integrity through his blog, podcast, and mastermind coaching. He is currently a principal in Houston, Texas. He loves paper, rock, scissors, and somehow he dates a supermodel. So welcome, Daniel Bauer. How are you? Great, great. Thanks for having me. Well, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Yeah, I hope so. I need to have a little sip of coffee, but I'll do my best. I'm sure you are. (laughs) All right. So Daniel, tell us a bit about what you're currently doing and about your leadership journey. Yeah, Lily. Well, right now I'm currently in my first year as a principal and a middle school in Houston, Texas. Before that, I was an assistant principal, instructional coach. I worked for the Board of Education in Chicago and served, oh man, maybe over 17, 18 schools as an avid coach. And then when I'm not being a principal or dating my beautiful girlfriend, I am running a website called Better Leaders, Better Schools. And this literally was born out of a frustration. I wanted to have deep and vulnerable conversations about school leadership. And I found locally it was getting challenging to do that. And people didn't necessarily want to open up. They didn't have the time. And so I launched Better Leaders, Better Schools and just started exploring it publicly through blogging or through the podcast and interviewing people smarter than myself like you and (laughs) a number of other guests and just sitting with them and trying to figure out what does it mean to be a great school leader. Well, Daniel, we have parallel passions because this podcast is exactly that. I interview leaders to learn more and to also just explore how we can master leadership together. So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Tell us a bit about Better Leaders, Better Schools. Yeah, well, we talked a little bit about the origin story, but Mm -hmm. at the point of this recording, we've been around a little over a year now. I'm releasing episode 72 coming up. So, you know, it's, it's got a good amount of content out there. I used to be able to write more. You got a little uh, busy, huh? Got a little busy, Lily. But, you know, I also they talk about the Pareto principle and the 80-20 rule. And honestly, right now I see that in terms of downloads and visits to the website, it's mostly for podcast content. So they just told me to focus there for now. I think there'll be a book in the works at some point talking about what I've learned through actually the podcast and through being a school leader. But right now, it's just putting out that podcast every single week consistently. Oh, great. And I know that you are the king of Twitter, and I need to learn a little bit about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Definitely love social media. Yeah. So, Daniel, if someone wanted to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, go to betterleadersbetterschools.com and start exploring the website. That's where all the content is. 
You can email me anytime. It's just Daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com. And then I have a really unique handle for all my social media, and that's Alien Earbud. And I know they'll <laughs> be. It's like I, the new Mac Earbuds. Yeah, they're crazy like that. So, hey, you know, I was a trendsetter, but I took my name, Daniel Bauer, and being a former English teacher, I like playing word games and anagrams. You mix up all the letters in a word to spell new words. So, from Daniel Bauer, you can spell Alien Earbud. And that's the story behind that. Very clever. <laughs> so, Daniel, how would you describe your leadership style? Well, right now it's evolving, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, trying to figure out, you know, what works, situational leadership, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I've always been a collaborative leader. I want to be able to identify the strengths in my team, uh, in the school, and empower people to do their best work in getting out of the way in the process. Mm -hmm. And I think in addition to a collaborative leader, I care to a fault. I'm emotional and compassionate almost to a fault. I really want to see people succeed and thrive. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I've developed enough, and I don't even know if I need this, but some type of leadership distance or something like that. But as we're talking about this and I'm thinking out loud, you know, it's definitely a compassionate style. I want to know that people are cared for and that they are meaningful to the organization. And so I try to do little things here and there, you know, and it starts honestly just with active listening and, right. and really understanding people's pain points and obstacles, challenges and trying to find solutions. And, and it goes from there. Okay, I've heard that before where people say they care to a fault. Now, what do you mean by that? In this first year, there's been challenges leading, mm -hmm. and I've seen that some people aren't ready, willing, or even want to receive that compassion. I have a mastermind client, Fran McGreevy. He's been on the show, too. Mm -hmm. So much smarter than me. He's been in education like 40 years. And one of his greatest gifts is like this gift of encouragement where he talks about pulling out the gold inside of people, you know, really seeing what they have to offer right. and speaking that into their lives and sort of unlocking that. Well, you know, you start doing that with people and some really enjoy that and start to grow leaps and bounds while others it seems like they want to hide yeah almost. they can become afraid yeah You're absolutely right so that's part of the being compassionate to a fault because i'm trying to untap all this creative potential within the organization and sometimes it, it messes things up another example of caring to a fault and i think you know, I could kind of move fast. And at the same time, sometimes I need to improve my communication. But a really clear example is, I don't know if you ever heard of Jimmy Casas, but he's on a number of podcasts. He blogs. He helps start the What Great Educators Do Differently conference. He's just an incredible, incredible guy. And one thing I learned from him, he did with his staff is he wrote thank you letters to staff members' parents. So imagine being a teacher and you've been teaching for 20 years, let's say, and your principal writes a thank you letter to mom and dad saying, you know, mom, dad, thank you so much for Lily. She's a gift to our community. She is always asking great questions, is pushing her students further and further in their learning and et cetera, et cetera, you know, and trying to make it 
specific and meaningful. Well, I asked my staff members for that address for their parents. It has actually become a thing where some staff members are mad about it and upset. Mm. And what I've realized is that I didn't want to tell them why I wanted it because it's a surprise that their parents get a letter. But what I didn't realize is as a first year principal at my school, I don't have the relational capital and the trust built where I could just ask something out of the blue and people will do it and assume good intent. Now, right. (laughs) They're wondering, why is it that he wants their address? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating to me, you know, one of our norms, it's not lived out. So I guess it must be aspirational, but I want everybody to assume best intent about everyone in the organization first. But that's just not the reality. And I'm in a very traditional school and I'm not necessarily a very traditional guy. So we're figuring that part out too. So some of those events, like I just described, become very confusing and frustrating to me because I realize, oh, they're not assuming the best intent. They think I'm out to do something bad. And I haven't even been here six months to have a bad reputation. They just don't trust me. And that hurts. But you know what, Daniel, I've been in something similar, and it speaks to their history. It has nothing to do with you. And so that's a tough thing to encounter, but stay the course. And I'm sure you have mentors and coaches speaking into your life. Absolutely. And you you brought up a good point in in the history of the school. I won't go into it deeply, but they had a leader that they loved and adored or at least the mythology says that, you know, I'm sure there were (laughs) challenges along the way. But then in the gap between that leader and myself, there was a leader who they just never connected with and they didn't think was there for them. And they were hurt by this person in a number of ways. Maybe it wasn't ever the right fit, but I think they're projecting some of that on me for sure. Yeah, but stay strong. So Daniel, can you tell us which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? Well, you know, I end each show talking about life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. That's perfect advice. It is, isn't it? (laughs) Because, man, life just happens, right? And, you know, and as a leader, things are going to pop up all the time. Right. And it's challenging for a sensitive, emotional guy like myself to not take it personally all the time mm-hmm. or let it crush you. Right. Like even right. just as a parent anecdote I shared, you know, that's not going to crush me at all. But it hurt for a minute and then I moved on. But those type of things, you got to decide how am I going to make sense of what's going on? And you brought it up like mentors and coaches like you got to have some type of community and support system. Hopefully there's some type of coaching within the district. But honestly, I think having that support outside the district so you could really be crazy honest, you know, with people and say, hey, what am I doing? Right. And they can give you that feedback. That is so important in terms of succeeding and thriving as a leader. And I think you've hit it on the head. Having a coach outside of the organization is key because they can speak into your life and you can be honest. So, Daniel, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? I'm inspired by the ones that are really reflective, the ones that give back. I listen to tons of podcasts and read an incredible amount of books. So people that put their stories out there that don't just make themselves seem like the perfect leader and and talk about the bumps and bruises. So I learned a lot, you know, from their mistakes. And I'm learning a lot from my own right now. So somebody that'll go there, you know, with me in that type of journey, make it seem normal, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're Michael Jordan, you just talk about being the best and dominating, but not all the work you put in, in terms of practice or being cut from the team and all that kind of stuff, all the shots you've missed, you know, it just doesn't seem attainable. So, you know, just folks that you would call, quote unquote, real, right. authentic. 
yeah, a leader who is reflective, a leader who is authentic. That's exactly someone who values others. And that's key. So thank you for that. Can you tell us what's the best advice you've ever received so far? Because you've got a lot. I get a lot of advice on the podcast. Yes. I'll tell you something. My friend DeAndre was episode one of my podcast. He's somebody, you know, I consider a brother and we've been connected professionally and now friends for quite a long time. He's a very driven guy and an outstanding leader. And he's now a community superintendent also in uh, Houston, Texas, and just a really great visionary. He can inspire the pants off of people. He gave me advice recently that was really important. He said, you know, the highs aren't necessarily as good as it seems and the lows really aren't as low. And that's important, especially for an emotional guy like me, because it seems like, oh, man, I'm killing it right now. Everybody loves me. This is I'm the best, you know, and I could get a little too cocky or focused on how great things are. And then when you get tough feedback, you think you're about to get fired, which probably isn't necessarily true. There's just Mm -hmm. things to, to work on. So that was really great advice that he gave me. You know, I think about Jim Collins, and I want to say it was built to last, but I could be wrong on the book. But he talked about the 10-mile march, and he described these two guys going on an expedition to to Antarctica. And they both took different paths on how they were going to do it, right? One ended up dying, but the moral of the story is the one that succeeded, he only did 10 miles per day rain or shine. And so if the conditions were great, he didn't tire out his team, the dogs and the men, and he just did 10 miles. They set up camp and they were good. And if the conditions were terrible, they pushed through it and still did 10 miles. And with that 10 mile calculation, they figured out how long it would take to do their expedition. They were overprepared too, but they always did 10 miles. Contrast that with the other team that was underprepared. They didn't bring enough food. When conditions were great, they went super far and tired out the team. So when those bad days hit, the team didn't have enough energy to actually push through at all. They ended up trying to find some type of shortcut for their expedition, and they got lost. They ended up freezing to death and dying. They had the wrong tools, the wrong animals. Yeah, and at the root of it is the wrong attitudes. Mm -hmm. So the highs not being so high and the lows not being so low is very similar to a 10-mile march for me, So where you just clock in and you get to work. And I think through different things like a gratitude journal or whatever, you know, you take account of what went well, what you could improve through the day, but you don't dwell on it and you leave it at school and then you go enjoy your life with family and friends outside of that and come back a good leader the next day too. That's great advice. It's sustainable. Yeah, sustainable is a perfect word for that. So Daniel, what does it mean for you to have a good team and how would you build one? And I know that you're new. Well, in terms of me, you know, I inherited my team. And that's what typically happens in education. Right. I think I've made one hire so far for an English teacher halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. So that's the first person I can say this was my pick. So if you're inheriting a team, or even if you're creating it from new, for me, it's about knowing the people. It's all about relationships. And I look for different ways to connect with people on a very human level. Did surveys for the staff, try to understand like who they are as a person. Uh, that went really well, and it gave me some insights into who they are, and then you just build from there, right? So let me just park here a minute because there are listeners who are new at this as well. So that's a good tool to have. So what kinds of questions did you ask in the surveys? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that. So first name, last name, that one's obvious. I asked, what do you want to know about your new principles? So that one had to do with me. What do you want me to know about you? Uh, What is your favorite snack or treat? Because then I will actually surprise people with that stuff. Uh, I asked when 
their birthday is. So you could do birthday cards or whatever. But know you're building it because this one without the trust. I had somebody, and this hurts. This really hurts. They told my boss that I asked how old they were, which is not true. I asked for their birthday, and that made people feel uncomfortable. So now I've done this at other schools. That's never been an issue. So I think this is a real unique situation I'm in right now. So I would still go for it. I would not take that question out. And I asked as well, if there was a theme song playing, whenever you entered a room, what would that song be? And the reason I asked that, I like to start off staff meetings playing that song through a YouTube video or Apple Music, Spotify, something like that. And then I actually have the staff guess who the staff member is that uses that song. Yeah, they get a prize. And it, it seems a little silly, but for me, it's just another way to build culture and to get to know people in a way that you never would. And it's so, fun. Heck yeah, it's fun. So for any normal person, that's a fun thing. Okay. Then you got some haters and, you right. know, you're just not going to change them. Right. Uh, so those are some typical questions. Right. But outside of that, Lily, I actually, with 112 staff members through the first month, I had a 15-minute meeting with all those folks. And we got into how long have they served as an educator, how long at the school, you know, are you married or not, you know, if you're married, what's your spouse's name, tell me about your kids, what are your kids' personalities like, what are your hobbies, you know, if you travel, where do you like to travel, and I just took 15 minutes to get to know people and wrote down answers there, as well as had an opportunity for them to ask me, you know, who are you, why did you come to this school, what is your vision, that kind of thing. So it's also setting apart time to be accessible and to, to get to know your people too. So with the surveys, how many did you get back? Because, you know, to put your name on a survey, especially in a culture like that, where you have trust issues. I got 86 out of 112. Okay, good, good. This was the beginning. Surveys, I would normally always do anonymous. But right. since this one is about you right. and what do you want me to know about you, right. it can't be anonymous. You know, right. I just created a mid-year 360 survey and that one was anonymous because it would be just straight up wrong to ask people to say Right. who they are when they're filling it out. You're not going to get an honest answer. Right. No, yeah. I'm just curious because when you have a culture like this and you're taking a survey and you ask people to identify themselves, it takes some time to build that trust. But you got good results, actually. Yeah, 86 there. Yeah. And with 360, uh, it was 60-something. So it was over 50%, but definitely enough to generalize and, and make some assumptions about what people think. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Can you tell us a bit about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? You know, growing up, I didn't know necessarily what to do. And it was just my mom and my sister. And I wanted to do something that would bring in a ton of money, right? So I'd just be like <laughs> swimming in the dough. And I remember my best friend's dad did really well. He traded stocks and bonds in the Chicago trade. And it really surprised me one day. We were just talking about life and he shared if if he could do it all over again, he'd be a teacher. Wow. And so the challenge of growing up, you know, we had food on the table, electricity never got put out. So it wasn't as rough as some people have, but it still was challenging with just a single mom that made me almost focus on the wrong thing and chasing the dollar and hearing from somebody who had more money than he knew what to do with and multiple houses and multiple cars and you know his kids had all the nice clothes and video games and all this stuff they didn't have any need that wasn't met i was totally shocked as a young man to hear that he would have been a teacher instead of a stock and bond trader is that well, what led you to teaching that's exactly why mm -hmm. i mean that was a huge reason because it was somebody i respected so much he was there for his his family a great dad great husband 
Mm-hmm. And he said, I would have been a teacher because I would have done something that mattered with my life. Mm. I think, too, as a young guy and um, just trying to search for meaning and search for, like, what am I going to do that is important, right? What's my contribution going to be? Right. That really helped clarify, I guess, the path I should be on. Uh, and that challenge is really a big reason that pushed me into education. Okay. Um, so can you tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life? I think the blog and podcast has been one of my greatest successes. Pretty great, uh, pretty great, yes. You know, I've been able to be on some shows and I've been able to go to some conferences so far and kind of cover those almost as a journalist and share that. I want to get into writing a book. I mentioned earlier, I want to start speaking at conferences. I currently coach for principals, assistant principals, instructional coaches, and even one superintendent. And we get together weekly, one group on Tuesday nights from 8 to 9 Central and one group Thursday night, same time. We read a leadership book, discuss that. We just check in. And then for 30 minutes, somebody gets the opportunity to hop on the hot seat and they really describe whatever challenges or obstacles they currently face. And then we leverage the collective IQ of the group to help them think through it and reflect on it. That's the beauty of the mastermind. So just by putting yourself out there and offering something that you think will be valuable has led to some really interesting relationships, in this case, coaching opportunities, where that's really a highlight of the week getting together with these folks and hearing about their successes and challenges and seeing them grow as leaders, there's really nothing greater than that. Now, what kinds of books have you explored in these mastermind groups? Oh, everything from Creativity Inc., which is the story of Pixar forming and the leadership lessons you can learn from Pixar. There's a million of them there. Do you pick them or does the group pick them? They can nominate some for sure, but Mm -hmm. I've picked probably 95% of them. People really like them. The the book we're working through right now is called The 12-Week Year, Get More Done in 12 Weeks and Most people do in a full year. That one's great and it's very practical and and people have been eating that up and helps you identify a 12-week goal and create your ideal week and then how to actually quantify and monitor your progress towards that goal. I've put it into place in my own leadership practice and now I see my clients and fellow masterminders and they're seeing great results as well. But the next one we're going to read is The Miracle Morning and also Search Inside Yourself, which has to do with mindfulness and meditation. So we go everywhere from reflection and almost spirituality to stories of great companies, maybe biographies about great leaders. We actually don't read that much about, quote unquote, school leadership. Most of the books are outside of education. Mm -hmm. And I prefer that because I think sometimes we box ourselves in and our our thinking gets too small. Right. And I just want to have a wider perspective. And the people that work with me have really flourished in that type of environment. And if someone wanted to join a mastermind group, they would just go to your website? You could search mastermind in the search box and there's a, been a couple podcasts, there's a few blog posts. You can send me an email again, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter, any of that, and we can get you going. And you know, not everybody's allowed in. Paul. So you vet them? And yes, we have at least a 15 minute conversation. I want to hear what you bring to the group too. You know, it's not all about taking, it's about what you give as well. Mm-hmm. And then I'm interested in, in what you're looking looking for, for sure. I want to hear about your school, your experience, and what have been your successes and challenges to date. You know, this is a group that they start to become like family. You know, the Tuesday group's been meeting almost a year now. We text each other outside of the group and email, and I hope to meet them as well because it's virtual. So meet them face to face, but you can't just let anybody in there. You want to make sure that they're going to add a positive contribution. Right. 
it's so cool because you know each person and what they bring to the table and that this person's going to just absolutely wreck you with this hard-hitting, reflective question. You know it's coming every group. <laughs> this person over here has such a great, light-hearted way of looking at tough stuff and will be able to take this really challenging situation and actually make it kind of funny. And so you know what everybody brings to the table, and it's just great. Mm-hmm. So if they're interested, your listeners, uh, they definitely connect with me, and we'll see if it's the right fit. Thank you, Daniel. Now, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? Well, you know, what can you do to improve it? You know, it's so easy to look to the outside right, and blame right. and point fingers. But through my work as a leader with masterminds, it's all about reflection and figuring out what you can do, what's in your control. I think we have a lot more power and control than we realize. It doesn't necessarily make it easy, whatever changes need to be made or whatever. But I would start there first Mm -hmm. and at least try to influence that tough situation by what I can control. If you've honestly given a a good effort with that and there's things out of your control, then you got to start asking a harder question too if it's the right fit. But that's further down the line. So I would see what you could change. What are you contributing that might be adding to a negative atmosphere uh, and then fixing that first. And do you recommend that they get a coach? Listen, I've gone to therapists for my own emotional growth. I'm in a mastermind that I invest in, and that's outside of the ones that I run. You know, I think that anybody that wants to grow has somebody outside to help. I have a trainer that used to play in the NFL, and I've always been a fit guy. I'm starting to look real fit. That makes me happy. The girlfriend loves it. But listen, I never, (laughs) right? I never would have got those results if it was just me in the gym. I never have. Right. So whether it's an intellectual journey or a physical one or an emotional one, you need somebody that's further along than you. You need somebody that has more experience or can ask the right questions that's going to push you. Anybody that's serious about their own growth, they invest in themselves. They figure out whatever they're comfortable investing. Paying the coach, that's expensive. It hurts the bank account. But I get great results, and that's going to pay dividends, assuming that nothing crazy happens, like a building falls on me. Outside of that, I'm going to hopefully live a long and healthy life because I'm invested in my health. So the mastermind, that's another big investment for me that I participate in. So anybody serious about their own growth is going to invest in some type of coach. Yeah, I know that being in a situation like this, I invested in a coach and it was so incredibly helpful because, you know, when you're discouraged, when you're in it, you don't see clearly. And so a coach helps push you through to help see yourself, which is important. And, you know, it's at this time that you learn the most about leadership, you learn the most about yourself. And that's where you grow the most. So I absolutely agree. Now speaking of long life, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning now? Well, going back to uh, how you build great teams. uh, Another thing that I did with my team was strength finders 2.0. And that's just a quick assessment that people take and it'll identify the top five strengths of everybody on your team. Can you repeat that? Strength finders 2.0. And I found that is a really great strength based personal assessment. And again, you put people to operate within their strengths instead of their weaknesses so they can to really thrive. I do that to really understand my team, understand myself, but to connect to the question that you asked, the lifelong learner, 
Actually, one of my top five strengths is being a learner. And so for me, it's reading books all the time. It's listening to podcasts. It's participating in the mastermind as well as running and participating in the masterminds I lead. But it's just putting myself in situations where I'm constantly being challenged, my thinking. Uh, like I said, you know, reading books outside of education, reading you know, even books that probably have a viewpoint that is completely opposite of mine so I can understand it better. But doing those sort of activities to constantly be growing. You know, Daniel, I'm, I think I'm going to start a group for ATC and ATL. And I've coined this phrase, addicted to learning, addicted to creating. Yeah. Do you think you you'd be a good that. fit? I definitely match that criteria yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I found a couple of people like us. It's wonderful because I also love learning and I love creating. And this podcast explores all that asking the questions and learning about how people think and where they are and how generous you, know, you are with your heart and your emotions. And I, I really appreciate that. Oh, that's great. I appreciate you having me on the show and giving back. No, no, no you. No. <laughs> so Daniel, what have you read recently that our listeners should read and why? I mentioned the 12 week year. So you should check that out for sure. That one is just so practical. And it's not like really heavy in depth in terms of what you learn. I feel like I could teach it in 30 minute lecture or something like that or a podcast. But the principles, oh man, the principles of creating that 12 week goal and your ideal week and then how to track it, that's life changing. So definitely check that one out. I mentioned The Miracle Morning, which is the next book we're going to read. And that's about getting up early and really getting more done within a couple hours of waking up, let's say five to eight before most people wake up mm -hmm. uh, and really setting the right tone for yourself. And then the next book we're reading in the group, which I read a few months ago, was called Search Inside Yourself. This one was really interesting because it takes the idea of mindfulness and meditation, and it was written from an engineering point of view. So I'm a very spiritual guy. You know, I have a, a strong faith in you know, pray and do those kind of things. But I'm also interested in, in meditation as well in terms of personal development and really just trying to be calm, right? right. To make sure those storms subside and, and really be able to think clearly. So anyways, this Google engineer that wrote the book, Search Inside Yourself, actually taught a class on meditation to Google employees. And this kind of unpacks the class that he taught. It sort of breaks it down in, in simple ways, but it also explains the science behind why it works which, you know, some people, they might just want to know factually and have evidence, you know, the science behind it, why does it work? And uh, this book provides that as well. Now it's been pretty impactful in my life and uh, really has brought a lot of joy and peace and, and calm into my own leadership and just personal journey. So tell us what you do on a daily basis to, to set your mind. I read the Bible every morning. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm working through Psalms. So that takes 10 minutes or so. After that, pray a little bit. After that, I do a gratitude journal, and it's called the five-minute journal, which you can buy. But I'd have a blank journal, and I rewrite the question every day. And it's reflecting on three things that you're thankful for, three things that would make today great, and then a daily affirmation. Mm -hmm. So that's what you do in the morning. That only takes five minutes. And then in the evening, you write, what were three amazing things that happened today? So that's very fast. And then at the end, you write, uh, what would I have changed to make the day better? So that's a part of my morning process as well. So the meditation doesn't come in until uh, midday because I find I've been working hard. I'm starting to get stressed out. And if I don't take some type of break, 
then I become less and less effective as a leader. I would compare it to, let's say you were working out and you were working out for an hour, but you know that you need to go another two hours after that initial hour. Well, if you don't take a little break and rehydrate and potentially, you know, fuel up with some type of food or shake or whatever, you're not going to do that well. So for me, it's a little midday break to meditate. It's not long, it's 10 minutes. So to be honest, most people probably waste that time surfing the internet, getting on their phone, doing something. But but I'm so hyper-focused with my calendar and my time. That 10 minutes is literally the only 10 minutes off I have during the day. And then that helps me be more effective. So Daniel, you've mentioned what you do. I'm listening to what you're saying and you write a gratitude journal and you do all these things. But how does that shift you and why is that so valuable to you? It gets my mindset in the right frame of mind. You know, um, I want to be always thankful and not taking things for granted. It helps develop this muscle of seeing the positive lining in every event. So all that is really important in terms of mindset. The meditation is just a slowing down. It's a calming process of when I get hyped up, stressed out and overworked, you start making poor choices. You know, you're tired and you're just not paying attention anymore. You could push through and keep knocking things out or you can refresh yourself. You know, you talk about your cell phones and computers and that kind of stuff. They start to slow down when they're constantly on. And people recommend, you know, turning it off and letting it be off for a little bit and turning it back on. It's just like a reboot of my mind, Mm -hmm. taking it all down and then booting it back up and then I'm ready to go. That's important because we can't sustain the level of energy without pulling back. That level of energy can bring you crashing. And I've experienced this where I've had burnout. And so that to me is very wise. What you're doing is extremely important, especially when you're starting off, you think that you have to do everything. You have to be on this high performance level all the time. But what you're doing and what you're suggesting is so wise because it keeps us level. It keeps our minds, our bodies level, which is necessary because the choices that we're making and the leadership, the responsibilities that we have are so important that we need someone healthy. We need you to be healthy. Yeah. And if you're not your best self, right, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you take care of others and, and lead a great organization? So just being aware, what do you need to take care of yourself so you can be more effective, and really lead your organization at a high level. So I think I stole this from you, this question. I think you asked this question. Yeah, all right. So here we go. If you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? I think part of it would just be to put yourself out there, to not hold back. If you play it safe, nobody really wins. You might feel like you win because it wasn't risky, but just surviving that tough moment, that crucial conversation you need to have, and you played it safe, that didn't make you better, it didn't make the other person better that needed to hear the challenge you were going to share. So I'm not saying it's only in tough conversations, but in whatever your vision is for the school or, or whatever organization you lead, you know, I would just say don't hold back. Be thoughtful. Be compassionate how you present whatever you're going to do, but give your full self as a leader. Don't hold anything back. You're going to make mistakes. I'm the best at that. Me too. (laughs) Better than anybody. (laughs) So, um, Daniel, is there anything that we haven't addressed that you want to speak about? I just want to let your listeners know that I have a free gift for them. Awesome. It's 15 reflective questions that if you ask them on a regular basis, I guarantee they'll make you a better leader. So to get those, it's a PDF, super easy. You can just get out your phones right now. Unless you're driving, pull over to the side. Yeah, that's right. Or rewind and bring this back. 
later. But text unlock now. That's all one word. Unlock now to three three four four four. So in the two field, instead of texting Daniel Bauer, put three three four four four, and then type the word in unlock now one word, and you'll get those fifteen questions that will guarantee to unlock your leadership potential. And that'll add you to my email list, and you'll start hearing about the podcast and we could form a relationship from there. But that's a free gift for your listeners. Awesome. Thank you, Daniel. You've added so much value, not just to me, but to our listeners. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I just love being on the show. Thank you. Love what you're doing. Hello, leaders. Don't forget to go to masterleadership.org to find out how to get a free coaching session from one of the exceptional leaders that are featured on this podcast. Until next time, bye. Bye.